you know, I think like <clears throat> there's a there's the impact of trauma in the moment, the catastrophic event or or something like that. But then there's like what happens in the wake of trauma. There's the decisions that we make about ourselves. who we be in the world, how we are received or who we have to be in our family units. And that, that is, that can be a life sentence. Welcome to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast, where we explore the power of mindfulness in our daily lives and how we can live better lives. We're an official media partner for the Wonderland Miami 2023 conference, and we're happy to offer a 20% discount to our listeners who want to attend. Go to the wonderlandconference.com website enter, and enter the code MINDFULNESS20 when you register. Today, we're joined by a special guest who has dedicated her life to helping people heal from trauma through psychedelic medicine, Jillian Acosta. Jillian is a registered dietitian, experienced in clinical and functional nutrition, and founded the Root Cause Method, a practice focused on helping individuals heal from the root cause of their struggles with food. She's here to share her insights into healing from trauma and the transformative power of psychedelics. She'll be speaking at the conference, and I'm glad to welcome her to the show, Jillian Acosta. Hey, 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 Jillian, how are you? What is going on, girl, lady? Hello, hello. Hello, person, human being. (laughs) Hi. Oh, it's so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. So nice to have you here. And I'm so excited for your uh, conference, for your, you know, your speaking. Uh, What are you going to be talking about specifically? I'm going to be, well, so the theme of the conference, of course, is longevity. So my talk will kind of live in the space of health and functional medicine and how trauma influences that and how psychedelics can really be utilized as an incredible tool to help people heal uh, for chronic illness mm. in their bodies. Wow, wow, wow. You're, uh, you know, trauma is a very big topic and a big subject matter and certainly in my view, uh, you know, you're on the mindfulness experience. And, you know, one of the reasons I'm interested in, you know, psychedelics is because of trauma or unmanaged uh, trauma that hasn't been really um, rebooted, reset, reframed. So I'm really interested in your view about nutrition and the use of psychedelics and also how nutrition impacts trauma or you know, trauma can be healed through psychedelics. Can you tell us a little bit about, about, you know, how, how you got interested in psychedelics or nutrition and how you, you know, what, what do you, how, why did they call you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I, I experienced pretty severe trauma at a, at a very young age and I didn't have recollection of it for over 30 years until I sat with ayahuasca and you know, but in the interim, in, in my almost my entire life, I was using food compulsively. I had a severe eating disorder. I was bulimic and had binge eating disorder, and and I couldn't stop using food as a way to try to, in, in my words back then, feel better. Mm-hmm. But it was like I was attempting to regulate myself emotionally mm-hmm. and physiologically, and it was compulsive. I mean, I <clears throat> I went to school to pursue nutrition because. 
-hmm. in the midst of my eating disorder, it was like I saw that class as an elective when I was in college as a way to kind of better understand my body and kind of hack mm. the system and, and get thin and and mm -hmm. that would be that would equal happiness and that whole, you know, charade. But mm -hmm. what I, I ended up falling in love with the science of it and, and the field and and so I, I learned a great deal about biochemistry, physiology, nutrition and and even when I was becoming educated, it wasn't doing anything to change my behavior around food. I was still using food to self-soothe. And it wasn't until I found psychedelics where I learned my story, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. and, and all of the world around my my issues with food, my body, all of that made so much sense. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I, in my fascination lies in, you know, of course, the Supporting the body and, and the physiology, but it's really about what's driving our behavior around food. Mm -hmm. It's like that is the intersection where I live professionally. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, the physical meets the emotional and psychological. Because mm -hmm. if 90 to 95 percent of our behaviors are governed governed by the subconscious mind, mm -hmm. and that's where trauma lives. Doesn't it make sense to kind of go there when mm. we want to change behavioral patterns when it comes to our health and our wellness and our well-being and and the mm. epidemics of, mm. of e obesity and, and cancer and other other weight-related conditions mm -hmm. and, and so yeah. that's that's yeah that's what I wow. do. Wow, well that's wonderful. That's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful work. You know, I um, I do believe that uh, you know a lot of times we talk about it in terms of our society that we live in a traumatic society and most people are coping uh you know by drinking drugging eating sex and spending you know swiping left swiping right uh that you know these are coping mechanisms to go ahead and deal with trauma and certainly from the view of trauma as you talked about it there's that implicit and explicit trauma and most people are certainly aware of explicit trauma. You know, I got in the car accident, I broke my arm, somebody beat me up, you know, something, you know, really clear. Uh, can you talk to the implicit aspects of trauma? And, you know, why do they impact your eating patterns? If, if mm. you know, if you will, I mean, I know there's a gut biome and there's you know, things like cortisol and so on and so forth, but maybe we can unpack that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So implicit, explicit, Dr. Gabor Mate calls it big T, little T trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, I think like <clears throat> there's a there's the impact of trauma in, in the moment, the catastrophic event or or something like that. But then there's like what happens in the wake of trauma. There's the decisions that we make about ourselves, uh, who we be in the world, how we are received or who we have to be in our family units. And that that is that can be a life sentence, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so as a little girl, um, as a three year old and, and four year old experiencing what I was experiencing, I had to suppress this from my mm -hmm. own psyche to mm -hmm. maintain myself in a dysfunctional family unit. Like many of us, we had we just learned this this incredible act of suppression, both the from a memory it. standpoint, mm -hmm. yeah, and also like like we just we can't bring that to the table, mm -hmm. and so we have to push it down from anybody else kind of witnessing mm -hmm. what we're experiencing, but also from ourselves as a mechanism of survival. Mm -hmm. And so that survival practice, that dissociation, which is like mm -hmm. such a phenomenon of the brain, mm -hmm. saved our lives absolutely, mm -hmm. but it kind of becomes like a faulty mechanism as mm -hmm. we get older. And so 
this was suppressed from my memory for 30 years, but mm. it was requiring so much energy for me to maintain that level of dissociation. Mm -hmm. Any time anything in my life would kind of vaguely like remind me of mm -hmm. subconsciously of, of those events, mm -hmm. it was like I had to just push it down. Mm -hmm. And so it became like just this perpetual uh, mm. pattern that I lived with. And I think that a lot of us are, are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. We are, we're doing the same thing and it's, it's subconscious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're talking about doing the same thing. I mean, you know, uh, some, some people may like, as I say, drink it, you know, they have their, you know, whatever their martini or whatever it is that they're drinking, uh, you know, for me, it might be a tequila. Uh, but, uh, be, you know, they drink it, they drug it, you know, they anesthetize themselves. Um, they, they drink it, drug it, eat it, sex it, spend it, swipe left. Now, but the food aspect of it, I mean, food, we all have to eat, right? You know, yeah. so, so is food a different kind of a drug that needs to be dealt with in a different way i'm i'm just i love this question you know, your your perspective around that yeah yeah this is so good so in some ways no because i think many substances can be used as dissociative mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. mechanisms right but food is a really interesting substance because my experience when i was in treatment for an eating disorder mm -hmm. in my 20s is like i i recognize that it wasn't like a substance outside like that i that i could omit from my mm -hmm. life obviously that's just another form of an eating disorder like i had to learn to dance with this this substance i had to learn to kind of fully move through the portal as i say of like how can i coexist with this mm -hmm. this thing and and food is has its own very particular nuances because food is a very feminine mm object food comes from the mother earth food comes mm. from the breast of the mother it's a very mm -hmm. it's very charged with mm -hmm. wounding from the mother mm. there's an incredible psychologist dr uh catherine mcdaniel who wrote mm -hmm. a phenomenal book called mother hunger which i weave into my work it's mm. it's profound work really and it's like mm -hmm. a lot of a mm. lot of us who've had wounding in the dynamics of their mothers men and women mm -hmm. by the way mm -hmm. where our mothers weren't emotionally or um, energetically or physically present for myriad reasons, we crave the nurturance, we crave mm. the protection and the guidance from the mother and mm. and we literally hunger for it. Mm. And so there could have been, you know, trauma inflicted by mm. the parental figure, mm -hmm. um, but but not being protected by the mother and mm. not being nurtured or held by the mother mm. um, creates just a different flavor of wounding. And this mm -hmm. is not to like blame the mothers. Mm -hmm they're mm -hmm. mothering because of the way that they were mothered and so mm -hmm. it just does it doesn't make sense to blame or shame but mm -hmm. we got to deal with the wounds we got to deal with the fact that we weren't actually held you know i was sent away to mm -hmm. daycare after six mm -hmm. weeks of, of birth because mm -hmm. that's what had to happen my mom didn't have the support and she had to go back to work and mm -hmm. and so but that that sense of abandonment that sense of being held by a stranger who it created a very very deep wound mm -hmm. in in my nervous system of of being alone, of not being protected or held. And, mm -hmm. and so I've unpacked this with a lot of medicine work, um, mm -hmm. you know, in, in my journey, but it's, it is, seems to be incredibly pervasive and, and universal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So from what I'm hearing from you is that there is this, you know, um, a, a process of emotional wounding or, you know, a dysregulation, if you will, which can happen as a, a child, uh, you know, by not getting 
the kind of care or soothing that you might need. And, you know, I mean, with a lot of kids, you know, they families just kind of say, you know, here, have something to eat, you know, here, have something to eat. I know you're crying, you know, to stop here, have this and put the food in the mouth instead. Um, are we talking about that kind of, or are we talking about like more than that from the viewpoint of like the hole in the soul, the, you know, the shattered spirit that really longs to become whole in some way. Um, and maybe it's both and the same. I don't, yeah. I don't really know. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, there's definitely like an element of, of, um, conditioning mm -hmm. where if a child is is having an emotional experience and the parents try to soothe the child with food or distraction mm -hmm. then that really becomes like maybe what the child will reach for but i'll share a story you know i was mm -hmm. i was um you know on this path very very deeply and um i was getting ready to put all my things in storage and go do some medicine work in south america and mm -hmm. kind of start my nomadic experience or chapter of my life and and there was a lot coming up for me it was very uncomfortable it was i could feel that there was a lot that i was about to shed and so mm. you know right on the verge mm -hmm. of that is very crunchy mm -hmm. and, and very triggering <laughs> uh to the ego yeah. and so yeah, and, yeah i call it circling the airport yeah <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, something's coming, but you don't know what, and it's, it's just highly uncomfortable. And so when we're, when they're in, we're, we're in these spaces in our, in our journey, in our psyche, where we're confronted deeply, it brings up a lot of these old patterns, these old, mm. like deeply imprinted patterns, survival mechanisms, mm -hmm. ways to self-soothe and cope. And so this was a little while ago, but I, I can feel myself kind of spinning with food and that's, you know, I've been on a long journey with food and that's, that's usually my cue. Like when I'm mm -hmm. feeling like I want to start reaching for things to self-soothe, now I know kind of how to dance with with those impulses and how to use them mm -hmm. for my healing, which has been a beautiful alchemization. But alchemization is, I don't know if that's a word, alchemy? Uh, an alchemy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the process of alchemy, right? right? Alchemization, of course. Alchemization, yeah. right. Yeah. So what happened was like I was really triggered around food and, and so I decided to, to go inward I decided to go just like a, a 48 hour fast and um just to really like black and white let me clear my head let me clear the triggers and, and go inward and and I was doing it with bone broth and and so I I there was this amazing instance where I sipped this bone broth and I had such an incredible flashback in this moment and it was me as a baby an infant six weeks old maybe something like that and and it it was a flashback it almost felt psychedelic where i had this like zoom out moment of like the whole picture of the whole scene of my life in that space where my father was away at art school and my mom was really working really really hard but had to leave me with these strangers and mm. my mom had a lot of unprocessed trauma herself and was in this very kind of masculine uh, manager mode of just like getting things done. It wasn't attuned to me at all. And so my world felt dangerous. My, mm -hmm. my world felt unsafe because all of her stress, I was just like mm -hmm. being fed with energetically and sponging energetically. Mm -hmm. So I felt very mm -hmm. unsafe, except in the moment where there was skin to skin contact and I was being breastfed mm -hmm. because in those moments on a, on a biochemical level, physiologically, mm -hmm. there are really beautiful bonding hormones like oxytocin mm -hmm. that are mm -hmm. being released from both mother and baby that create bonding mm -hmm. promoting lactation and that whole cascade mm -hmm. you know chemically happening where that was the moment in which i felt soothed mm -hmm. was when mm -hmm. i was being fed mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And that mm -hmm. imprint is so deep. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it was like, the world is dangerous, except when I'm eating, mm -hmm. then I feel okay. When I'm, when I'm eating, I right. feel okay. Right. And so then, yeah, of course it was stimulus response. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So there was, there was a deep imprint and that phenomenon is it's so pervasive because so many of us are, mm -hmm. are nursed. So many of us are not breastfed and that mm -hmm. kind of creates its own like nuance or kind of flavor in, in mm -hmm. the, the patterning around food. Right. Um, right. but then there's reinforcement, right? Then, mm -hmm. then, then it's like, oh, you're crying here. Have a, have mm -hmm. a cookie to shut up. You know, right, like right, there's right. all this like infrastructure built upon that right, initial imprint. Right. right. And then there's the imprints of positive or negative body imaging and all oh, that, yeah. you know, especially I imagine, especially as a woman, as a woman, because you're, you know, women are, you know, I, my wife brought me to see the movie Barbie. Oh, and yeah. I, I thought, I thought, you know, I, and I didn't get most of it, but I got the monologue that was in the middle. That was to me the whole gist of the movie yeah. and i don't know if you've seen the movie but there's it. this wonderful monologue about you know uh about being smart but not too smart you know being this but not too this being that i was bawling yeah yeah i mean you know and i i can't i really my heart goes out i can't like you know what a what a what a pile yeah. of crap it's an impossible paradigm to succeed yeah. in. And yeah. I was infuriated and I was like, I was brought to tears because it was just like the injustice was just like, made me really freaking mad. Right, right, right. <laughs> it and made me really mad, but I feel for men also. I've, I really mm -hmm. feel for all humans, you know, mm -hmm. as I was learning my story and that experience with ayahuasca back mm -hmm. in, in 2020, I, I sat three times with the medicine that weekend mm -hmm. and and in my second experience, the ceremony before I really found out my my story, mm -hmm. I was escorted. I, I'm not going to share this because I'm probably going to speak about this in the in the talk. But there was there was such a clear messaging that came through with the medicine that like anyone who's carrying excess weight, you know, it's not with all these. It's not the judgments that society has placed upon them. They, it's not that they lack willpower. It's not that they're lazy. It's none of those things. It's actually that they haven't they haven't been supported mm -hmm. in accessing and healing from the pain in which they carry mm. Exile we are using, parts. yeah mm -hmm. yeah we're using food to self-soothe mm. and right. so people talk about the the epidemic of obesity and mm -hmm. and cancer and all these weight related conditions diabetes hypertension all the things but it's like it's not because there are a lot of issues in this whole in this whole field big food big pharma like like we we you know, agra, like we, we're up against a lot, but from what people can control, it's like we are using food to self-soothe. And mm. so when I see someone that's carrying mm. a lot of excess weight, my, what I feel so strongly is like, I want to know what happened to you. I want to help you begin to start mm -hmm. feeling again, mm -hmm. because we are using food to numb and mm. we're just pushing down our truth and pushing down our truth. Mm -hmm. Right. And it doesn't have to be that way that you can be held in, in reconnecting with what's really going on and, and, and help facilitate the expression of the emotions that you mm -hmm. no longer need anything to self-soothe mm -hmm. or, or numb. Right. Well, you know, I, uh, uh, this is the mindfulness experience podcast and, you know, I do teach and I work with, and I train, uh, people about mindfulness and really how to 
breathe and how to be present to their own bodies and so on and so forth. And, you know, we do this thing with eating awareness training where you're able to go ahead and really close your eyes and taste and be present to the food and be mindful about every morsel. And when you're at a zero or a 10 in terms of taste, you know, when you start to have your first bite, you may be at a 10, but then after the second or third bite, it goes down to a six or a seven, you know, or Mm -hmm. Uh, when it hits a five do you stop and then you you know you have something to drink do you do something else do you move a muscle change a thought but i'm wondering from 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 your viewpoint you know how to when we talk about mindfulness mindfulness doesn't work with people who are dealing uh, doesn't always work we do trauma sensitive mindfulness but it doesn't work with people who are really traumatized they're dealing with Mm -hmm. severe trauma because they can't sit or they can't really keep their mind there's an add kind of factor to it how can psychedelics help individuals heal from trauma that may drive them to overeat or develop an unhealthy relationship with food in your view yeah so psychedelics help us i believe come back into the body it's a it's a, of course it's like a cerebral incredible experience in the mind but it's also happening somatically and it, it feels like the bridge between the two the mind and the body and, the, and really the three in the spirit and and so a lot mm. of my work is it, it revolves around helping women cultivate within themselves a feeling of safety mm-hmm. so that they can come back into their bodies because many of us are living dissociated Mm-hmm. And so if they can feel safe enough to slowly and very gradually come back into their bodies to sit with the mm-hmm. feeling of discomfort, whether it be tension or fear or overwhelm or whatever they're experiencing somatically that they would otherwise want to kind of push down and numb, if they can sit there with themselves and, and me initially mm-hmm. as a guide long enough to realize that they can, it mm-hmm. opens up everything. Because mm-hmm. if you are willing to feel something uncomfortable and sit with sit with the feeling and experiencing experience it and breathe through it and eventually learn from it, then you no longer need anything to numb it. Mm-hmm. And then the weight loss is easy, and the remission of chronic illness happens naturally because the body is designed to heal itself. Mm-hmm. But it's coming from an emotional driver. It's coming from the nervous system, really. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, that that impulse to self-soothe and, and kind of abandon whatever discomfort is, is present in the moment. Now, a lot of people that may be listening might be thinking about, you know, psychedelics in a very kind of, you know, party kind of way. And what I just heard you talk about was, you know, these medicines being sort of wisdom medicines. I like that term wisdom medicine because it really gives you then the, some space to see you know, to check in to see what condition your condition is in, one of my favorite songs. But, you know, it gives you that space, right, to just mm-hmm. kind of befriend yourself, to be a mm-hmm. to be a, 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 a wise elder to your own experience. Is that yeah. is that kind of what you were talking about in that respect? Because that's yes. what I'm yeah. Yes. I mean I I work with psychedelics in my practice. I'm a mm-hmm. dietitian, but I as I said, I live kind of in the intersection between like mind, body, soul, all, mm-hmm. all of that. And so mm-hmm. I, I work with ketamine in my practice mm-hmm. and I don't, of course, administer it, but I collaborate with a lot of different physicians and in, in you know various parts of the country. And 
And so a client will will become a patient of a physician and get the prescription there. And then I'm I'm holding space. And so ketamine, of course, it's illegal. It's legal. It is legal. Right. Um, and it's it's also very gentle. And in my experience, it's incredibly heart opening. And so a lot of people are relatively new to the psychedelic space or mm -hmm. they're new to using psychedelics in a therapeutic context. Mm -hmm. And ketamine is so interesting because it's a dissociative. But what I've found, and this is not in the literature, it's just anecdotal experience pers both personally and what I've seen in my, in my clients, mm -hmm. is that for the people that I work with, we've lived dissociated. We've used food to maintain that level of kind of numbness right. and being out of our body. Ketamine puts us back in. Mm -hmm. While I'm on, on, you know, working with ketamine, I feel more in my body than I have ever felt. And it's in that space where I can then navigate and, and become like, um, open my tolerance, open my threshold and my capacity to feel something uncomfortable. And it's like my brain is the mm -hmm. neuroplastic effects that we're leveraging. It's like mm -hmm. this expanse is happening of my capacity of like, oh, wow, I can sit with discomfort. Now, outside of medicine, the integration is like, how can we bring that same experience, the same teaching, the same opening of your capacity outside of medicine and begin to expand your your threshold, your your tolerance to weave and dance with food in, in a new mm -hmm. way. It's mm -hmm. really what I'm doing is like helping people alter their relationship with feeling. Mm -hmm. If they're willing to feel, they mm -hmm. don't need to numb. If that's they're willing great. to feel, they begin to gain access to the wisdom that's in their mm -hmm. body. They begin mm -hmm. to access their truth because we're just pushing down our truth, but the truth is so loaded with insights. It's your mm -hmm. truth. Right, 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 right. And and you can't trade your truth for some other person's truth because their truth is already taken. But right. you know, I think the I think the I'm a psychedelic assisted therapy provider and uh, I work with a local ketamine clinic as well. I also work with vets uh, as a part of the Heroic Hearts Project. Beautiful. And, uh, you know, the the thing with ketamine, certainly, and the thing with this disassociative, the ability to kind of step out of your experience and kind of look at yourself, you know, to see what is going on. And ketamine certainly is very, very good for that. And from a hypo arousal viewpoint, when you start dealing with people who are dealing with, you know, traumatic uh, post-traumatic stress disorder or treatment-resistant depression specifically, ketamine is a, a wonderful, wonderful, you know, Absolutely. intervention, you know, it's, Absolutely. it's really good. Yeah. I have, my, my brain has healed tremendously mm -hmm. because of ketamine, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and I love plants. I really do. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone's like, ah, ketamine is synthetic, but it has helped heal my brain so much because exactly what you just mentioned, this hypoarousal, when I go into mushrooms or ayahuasca ceremony, there's still like a major contraction that I experienced mm -hmm. in my nervous system just because of like the intensity of what I experienced. And mm -hmm. so sometimes it's actually not, it's even like less effective because I have to go through the barriers of that mm -hmm. contracted nervous system. Whereas ketamine feels very loving and mm -hmm. very like oh, safe, mm -hmm. super safe. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So when you start working, you've worked with a lot of folks uh, from around the country, you say, and, you know, I'm just wondering, uh, from your view without, you know, disclosing names or, you know, specifics, uh, what kind of breakthroughs have you seen in your clients who work with, you know, whether or not it's ketamine or other psychedelics where you're helping them to prep and you're helping them to integrate and activate because you're really mm -hmm. 
helping them to really not only, you know, uh, see what they need to see, but then take that with them in their daily lives when they're not using the medicine. So do you have any kind of stories or any kind of things that, you know, happen that you can share? Yeah. Oh, there's a lot. I mean, full blown remission of disordered eating, like, Mm. like an ending to binge eating disorder an ending Mm. to emotional eating. Like these Mm. women are, are learning that I'm not, I'm not the guru. I'm not the, I'm not the healer that they actually are the ones that are capable of holding themselves. That's it's, it's transformative. It's really been a pleasure. I've, I've seen women come off of medication, blood pressure medication and uh, diabetes medication, like metformin, Mm. like people just completely go into remission from Mm. even autoimmune conditions like Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And Mm. um, it's, it's so incredible because the body and the mind are inextricable. Mm-hmm. You know, what's happening psychologically will manifest physiologically. Mm-hmm. And so if we're going to the root, which is the name of my work, the name of my business, the root cause method, it's like the it, illness is rooted in trauma. And so mm-hmm. we, we go there and, mm-hmm. and what's amazing is like trauma, it leaves like an imprint. Right. And, and it's mm-hmm. like the little girl at four years old who was being maybe sexually abused and mm-hmm. had to, repress her experience of, of her life from from her family or from whatever you know she begins to operate that way but there's this like frozen kind of part that mm-hmm. believes she's still four mm-hmm. and incapable of supporting herself and taking care of herself and speaking her needs and speaking her truth and being held and all of that and so it's like it's like this we we like we reconnect we bridge mm-hmm. the woman back to her truest mm-hmm. self her self mm-hmm. is a totally capable, competent, strong, powerful woman who can now hold herself through anything. And that's mm-hmm. what I witness is like, mm-hmm. they become that it's a, this program specifically that I'm referring to in my work is called the garden. And it's a 13 mm-hmm. week program. They sit with mm-hmm. medicine three times over the course of the 13 weeks. And by the end of that, it's, it's absolutely, I cry every single time. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. And the, the program's called the garden. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. I, I you know, I, I use a, um, an analogy in my work around, you know, seeding, feeding, weeding and growing uh, the garden. And, you know, you need the manure in the garden yep. in order to grow the garden. You, yep. can't, you can't grow a garden without dirt. Mineral rich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so start digging and start exactly. going down there because. You know that's that's how you plant seeds. You plant seeds. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, so that's wonderful. Yeah. Can you talk? Can you talk a little bit about the root cause method? What is what is that? Is it a? Yeah. Is it a kind of a a, a you know a, a a one two three punch or something like that? What is so it? the root cause method? Like I mentioned before, I believe that that the chronic illness is rooted in trauma, and so as a functional dietitian, I practice functional medicine, which is like root cause medicine. It's not Western; it's evidence based for sure, um, but it's about preventing and reversing chronic illness. It's the modality of medicine designed for chronic illness, or one of them. Mm-hmm. And so, so before before you go there, I just want to go back to uh, people. Uh, you know, they've heard uh, I've talked to a functional medicine doctors before and certainly but from a functional viewpoint can you just explain that for a moment yeah Yeah, so within the modality of functional medicine okay so western medicine is incredible for acute care it's Mm life-saving we Mm -hmm. need it it's like bless western medicine Mm -hmm. but that that 
modality doesn't it's proving ineffective for chronic mm -hmm. illness it's not it's treating not the whole organism no no but it's keeping people sick it's keeping people on medication right. perpetually right. it's it's not helping people actually heal it's just symptom management really mm -hmm. with right. with drugs and so functional medicine is a way to it, there's many pillars involved including nutrition but also like you know cleaning up environmental toxin exposure and stress management and sleep and all the things and right. so that's that's really what i practice as a dietitian but from my experience uh, my personal experience i learned that even if i had all this knowledge of what to eat what not to eat what supplements to take how to clean up my gut all the things if there was an emotional component that was driving my compulsive relationship with food and i wasn't binging on broccoli like that didn't hit the spot mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it was like there was an emotional undercurrent like mm -hmm. i had to go there i had to mm -hmm. had to uproot that that mm -hmm. weed if mm -hmm. you will mm -hmm. i had to go to the root of that pattern mm -hmm. and that is psychological that is emotional that is trauma that is somatic and so that that's that was kind of like the overarching like goal for the root cause method but as i when i launched it was like it was really based on the functional nutrition so it was a methodology of five sessions where i took people through this program i still do i actually just hired a nutritionist who's amazing who's going to really kind of be running that that arm of my work because it's still really important we were serving a lot of people helping people clean up their guts helping people get off meds um changing physiology but my real passion is this work it's my real passion is in the garden and a new program that i'm getting ready to launch that i'm sure i'll tell you about soon called wildflower mm. my passion is in the in the undercurrents of why someone's physiology is in the status that it's in the emotional right. drivers um and so i named my business the root cause method because it can it's going to grow a lot of roots it's growing organically mm -hmm. it's becoming mm -hmm. something really cool but i always knew eventually mm -hmm. i'd work with psychedelics because that is what changed my life it, you mm -hmm. know after 30 something mm -hmm. years like that was the thing that helped me heal my relationship with food mm -hmm. my eating disorder and and really overarchingly my relationship with myself mm -hmm. because when we use food to numb we're in such a disempowered state Mm -hmm. it, I, it was so frustrating to me that I couldn't stop doing this thing and I would beat myself up and I was self-conscious mm -hmm. about my body so that I would isolate myself and it was just this epic distraction of like who I'm here to be it's a waste and it's it's like it's right. frustrating and I feel like a lot of people are in that dance especially women are in that mm -hmm. dance and it's like yeah I'm here to help women mm -hmm. come back into their power and find find their own wisdom find their own Oh yeah, their own godhead. There, yeah, and and I I don't mean that in a very you sort of euphemistic way, but it really is befriending, and it really is finding your own inner uh, guru, if you will, you know, your own wisdom keeper that you can look towards uh, on the inside as well as the outside in terms of Absolutely. being self-contained, yeah, Absolutely. having boundaries, yeah, yeah. So let me ask you, what what role um, do you think mindfulness plays? in the healing process uh, as we started talking one of the things we started talking about was stimulus and response and you know in my practice i really teach mindfulness and breathing as a way uh, as a mechanism to help people um, look at what is the stimulus and then get the recognition around that and make different choices do you apply it the same way or do you you know, use it in different ways. I'm, I'm interested in hearing that. Yeah, sure. I, I think it's incredible. I think that you can't really heal or alchemize a pattern unless you're aware of it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I use it, I think, in a similar context. I, I love that that psychedelics, um, it, it, you know, it, it's like lifting up the veil almost. It shows you patterns. It shows you thought processes and and these like deeply grooved perspectives. Mm-hmm. And then, but it's like that's it's just like kind of a show in a psychedelic experience. What really makes the difference is off the mat, is is mm-hmm. in day to day life. And so it's like mm-hmm. weaving the findings of like you you have a an experience in psychedelics where you're shown that you know an in, you know an insight or or, or a memory mm-hmm. that happened to you it's like what do you do with that knowing what do you do with that awareness and then that's the practice bringing it into day-to-day life and so that i think mindfulness is how we actually change mm-hmm. behavioral pattern and relationship to self and and the manifestations of that mm. so is the mind the body the breath the ability to eat, the way to sleep, the relationships, the environment, yeah. all of those things really come into play. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a really big fan of ritual. All of mm-hmm. the all of the women and men in my program, there's a there's a daily practice. Mm-hmm. There's a Beautiful. there's a a touching of what the finding from medicine of maybe they were able to access this incredibly deep layer of self-compassion that they've that's never been accessible to them prior. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's like how can we touch that day mm-hmm. every day where now that becomes embedded into the way that we're able to relate to ourselves and how mm-hmm. else is that able to show up in in their life it's like it's very intentional but mindfulness is the foundation of it because we can't you know we can't change anything where that's out of our awareness that's why it's in the subconscious that's why we right. go there right <laughs> like right, right. To, to to uncover the other 95% yeah right. go ahead i mean we we can spend our whole lifetime doing that doing that excavation work right yeah. yeah yes and you know i'm very much reminded that it's not just about excavating it's also about how can this be enjoyable how can mm. this be how mm. can this be beautiful and delightful beautiful and... so there's fun too yeah yeah why yeah. do it why do it if you don't have some fun in the process if you don't open yourself up to joy yeah the yeah. the last module in the garden is called full bloom and it's literally nice. this blossoming of nice. these women and it's like they're Love they're that. radiant and mm-hmm. the men also now I'm, men are coming to this program it's one on one and mm-hmm. and um it, they're radiant and they're they're able we can't selectively numb mm-hmm. so when you're wanting to numb pain and sadness and 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 fear you're mm-hmm. also numbing the the joy and the love and and the compassion right. and all all of that so we can't cherry pick and Mm-hmm. And so when women are able to like open themselves to more challenging emotions, fear, grief, mm-hmm. whatever, they're also opening themselves up mm-hmm. to intimacy and joy and and the beauty and mm-hmm. and so it just it's so it's so epic. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So that's an upcoming project. Look for the the garden. Look uh, and No, and the garden is full-fledged. The garden okay, is running. Okay, yeah, the garden already is already done. Okay. Garden is growing. Yeah. Uh-huh. The garden okay. is a thing. Wildflower uh, is Wildflower. Thing. Okay, good. Yeah. So there's yeah. wildflowers in the garden. I love that. Exactly. I love I love, <laughs> I love metaphor. Metaphor is great. So so let me ask you uh, a question, Jillian. When you start looking at, you know, what you're up to, um, you know, how can listeners get a hold of you and learn more about your work? learn more about what you're up to. I know you'll be down in Wonderland. Uh, I'm not sure if you know your date yet or uh, all of that other stuff, but maybe you can just kind of share a little bit about that. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm giving a a keynote on Friday. I'm not exactly sure Mm -hmm. what time. And then I'll be on a panel on Saturday talking about functional medicine and psychedelics. 
Um, also not sure about the time. So I'm, I'm really excited for that conference. And then the name of my work and the name of my website is therootcausemethod.com. Mm -hmm. um, you can see all of the different offerings, whether it's functional medicine or functional nutrition, rather the garden, which is the one-on-one -on -one deep dive with medicine, 13 week program with me um, or wildflower, which I'm getting ready to start promoting at the end of this week. That's mm -hmm. going to be an eight, eight week program with women that are on the path of emotional mm -hmm. eating and it's yeah it's really quite juicy Beautiful. so all I'm that excited. information is on my site yeah That's and then great. on social media my my handle is jillian acosta underscore rd jillian acosta underscore rd well thank you so much jillian for being a part of uh the wonderland conference and also being a part of the mindfulness experience podcast we appreciate it thank you so much for having me it's a pleasure Thank you, Jillian, for joining us today and sharing your ex expertise and experience on the healing power of psychedelics and nutrition. If you want to learn more about Jillian's work, visit her website at therootcausemethod.com. Thank you for joining us on the Mindfulness Experience podcast. We'll see you next time.